Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of Crossrip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to a very special episode of the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip Podcast for December 12th, 2019. We're going to be talking about the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer that dropped this week. Can you believe it? I can't believe it. This doesn't seem real. Please pinch me and wake me up because I don't believe it still. But anyway, Chris and I are going to be dissecting the trailer, talking about the poster, anything and everything coming up. Here we go. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the keymaster? Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Woo! So much good stuff. So much good stuff. I, we I have mean, no time to waste. Like there's there's no, no banter. No, like, totally. I, I, I don't I'm even want to. I don't I'm, even ask you how your day was. Like let's no, just go. I don't. I frankly I don't care how your day was. So let's just. <laughs> I don't, I don't give a actually, you know what? Your day was. Here, here's here's our, here's our, our lead in. It's appropriate, and this will count as our preamble. Okay. All right. When where in the trailer did you get verklempt? Oh, I'll tell you, and you tell me. We're gonna just jump, jump right in, jump right jump in. Jump hey, right in. But let's, to the let's, podcast. Let's, uh, let's start there. When did it, when did you get the knot in your throat? Uh, I, you know, not, I, not the butterflies in the stomach, not the fluttering of the heart. When did you, when did you get the frog in your throat? I think, I think the knot. Was it like the little piano, st- like the Elmer Bernstein piano sting? I think it was right when it was like, yeah. oh. But I mean, that wasn't like the the knot in my throat, like. This is, this is emotional. Yeah. I think the emotional happened. I, I think the the point that I pinpointed when I was trying to do a breakdown for for Ghostbusters HQ because I was doing research for our chat right now and that just turned into a breakdown article. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna post this. This was a lot of work. Um, I, it's it's when Phoebe is approaching that like shed and slides down the fire pole and is holding the PKE meter and I'm like, oh my god, this is. This is what we did as kids. Like this is, I went out to my treehouse with my PKE meter, and I slid down the pole and p- I pictured that it was my headquarters. And um, you know, this is—it's speaking to me as an adult because it's taking me back to my childhood, and it's also speaking to me because I know that the next generation of fans are going to look at this and like they're immediately going to want this in their backyard. They're immediately yeah. going to want a, a subterranean uh, like lab or you know headquarters or something. Um, yeah, that's that's when. What about you? Where did where did it happen for you? Uh, when Gruberson is showing the kids the television clip uh, on his computer, New York was like The Walking Dead. Yeah, when the when because it's it. How do I put this? Jason hates the same thing that probably most people. I definitely hate. You probably hate is movies that want to show television footage of yeah. the events of the movie and they just reuse <laughs> the movie's the movie. camera footage. Yeah. 
he quite obviously this is what one of the things at least if not the only thing it was why they were digging around in that mine looking for um, alternate footage and they found a ground level camera of the guys it's not in the original movie but it's from the same scene that he was able to then process to look like 80s video put some chirons on there and yeah, it looks it's like a live new, television new, live feed from... on new york television god you and know there what, it is if, if it's there the were... four guys see in in that one little shot it's 1984 all yeah. over again for me yeah it is it's i mean this harkens back to yes it is the uh, going back to episode five of the cross rip, it's the weaponized nostalgia that we were uh, learning about in the psychology of Ghostbusters. But um, I mean, it. <laughs> there was a part of me when I saw that footage, I was like, oh, that's what that guy, that TV news reporter was shooting. The guy whose boom mic almost uh, cuts off the top of the roof rack of the ectomobile at the end of the movie. Uh, and, and then part of me was like, I wonder if there was actually a, a tape in that that news camera and and if they've been able to find that tape because that would be perfect for this but exactly um, right yeah well hey if it's not for historical purposes hey everybody welcome to the cross rip we are talking about (laughs) the trailer to ghostbusters afterlife for all intents and purposes the trailer to ghostbusters 3 that we've been long awaiting since uh, leaving the theater in 1989 uh, for some of us uh, who are, are newer fans uh, since we've been talking about it since 1999 on the interwebs uh, I, I, I frankly cannot believe Chris that you and I are talking about this right now I, I couldn't believe it when we were talking about the movie being announced but now that it's tangible and real and in front of us with a trailer and a poster and photographs and news articles from Anthony Bresnikan and all sorts of stuff it's like oh my it's it just hits you in the face it's just a smack to the cheek um but uh I I don't I don't have anything planned for us Chris I feel like you and I are just going to talk and everybody out there is going to have to listen because we have microphones that's just how this is going to go down basically is the way it's going to go um this is this is essentially our trailer reaction only after 72 hours of (laughs) chewing on it and not yeah. involving the trailer. Rather, we're just going to start at the beginning, well, and we are going to talk our way through it yeah, and frame by honest, frame. This is probably more genuine than a lot of the trailer reaction videos out there at this point, because everybody does their trailer <laughs> reaction video, and they're just trying to one-up each other. They, it's <laughs> so fake now. But uh, I, I, Yeah, I see them. It's like, my thoughts on the trailer. I don't care about your thoughts. I have my <laughs> thoughts. I don't care about your thoughts. Judge. <laughs> Uh, I have many thoughts. I have a lot of thoughts. I, have, I do too. Well, so should we do this chronologically just in terms of how things went down? Because we didn't get to talk about the poster and the the news article on Friday morning. That would have been. Yeah. Um, and then that, that was the, yeah. the precursor to that was them saying, hey, this is our announcement. The trailer is coming Monday. Hold on to your butts. Here it comes. Um, and, yeah. uh, and I actually really appreciated that too after – months and months of when is the trailer coming? It was like on Friday, we're telling you it's coming on Monday. What I don't appreciate is that all I did Friday night, Saturday night and Sunday night <laughs> was just like dream about and spat like, Oh, what's it going to be? What are they going to show? Is there going to be a lot? Is there going to be a little, is it going to be, yeah. uh, is it going to be um, like a retrospective trailer? Like they did for uh, rise of the Jedi where we see the first two movies and then just a little something <laughs> from the new movie. I, it, well, my mind I can tell could you, not slow I down. Could, like Bill Murray in lost in translation, uh, the, the, Balling uh, fists with your feet. Did you want the fist of, with your the nerd equivalent of fist with your feet? Fist with your feet. Yes. Get get, get old. 
Oh. Because while you have those same concerns, your body will just fail on you by no, about one in the morning I, and you'll I, pass out. <laughs> but that's that's the crazy thing is, is uh, pardon the expression, but shit is so busy right now that I shouldn't be yeah. worried about the trailer. But You shouldn't. Well, see, the thing is, like, I, I've burnt out my adrenal system years ago. I'm too old. <laughs> you gone. should be tired, but you still have a working adrenal system. So you can still get little spikes. So, um, it, um, yeah, I mean, like, it, this, is, this is how Monday morning went for me. Uh, basically, six o'clock came and everything went nuts. So I clawed my eyes open, retweeted, reposted a bunch of places, watched it blurrily once. <laughs> And then went back to bed, and then really the watching and rewatching didn't start until about uh, four hours later yeah. when I got to the office. That sounds very so. familiar. I, I got up uh, first thing in the morning and, and checked it out, and sure yeah. enough, there it was. Uh, like you did, retweeted it. Uh, I watched it once, and and I was like, I have the busiest day. I'm gonna I'm just gonna get another hour, and then I'll I'll <laughs> jump into it. But well, shout out to. Uh, <laughs> Shout out to Tyler uh, of the Ghostbusters British Columbia who informed me that he watched it like a handful of times until it was 6.30 and he realized if he just got up, he could go watch it on his big screen in the living room <laughs> and woke woke his poor wife up. Hi, Amanda. <laughs> with, uh, um, yeah, with the surround sound cranking at uh, whatever, 7 in the morning. Uh, yes, well, yeah. uh, Dustin of the Ghostbusters Alberta was posting like he was down in his uh, – his uh, a basement cinema, which is for lack of a better term, he, and he's got the massive projector screen, HD projector screen, and he was like, I'm on my 18th viewing, and I'm like, are you people not at work? Did you yeah, go call like, in sick? What happened work? here? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I mean, I, I have watched the trailer a good dozen or so times, if not oh, more. Yeah. I've watched yep. all of the trailer edits. I know that people have added the Ray Parker Jr. theme song into it, and uh, mm-hmm. we, we can talk about that a little bit later, but... Um, yeah, it's, um, it's they've f- got a plan cause it ran, I, I posted, I was watching, um, some British, uh, game show taskmaster, which is officially putting their stuff up on YouTube and because it's official, it gets, you know, decent, uh, ads and right in front of it, they ran the trailer and wow. I was, it's like, you can skip in five. I was like, you can take a flipping hike. I am watching this whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to watch it from start to finish. I'm, I'm like, you are eating up 7% of the image. Get out of there, next button. Scoot. Well, so let's let's talk about just sort of broad strokes. I mean, we did jump right into like where where did the 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 knot in your stomach uh, start or the, the – Yeah. Like, where did you get choked up? But just, you know, because this is really the first – sense of the movie this is really the biggest information i mean that that vanity fair article that came out on friday gave us character names and photos and then all of a sudden this trailer comes out and we have a pretty good sense of the story now we have a pretty good sense of who the characters are uh a few of the jump scares uh a sense but it's a beautiful balance it really is like this if people want to debate what was wrong with the 2016 trailer this one is the opposite. Like this is a, this is, this one should be taught as an example of how you make a trailer for a highly anticipated, you know, uh, uh, fan friendly, whatever you want to call it, franchise movie where people are dying to hear, you know, see spoilers, but not see spoilers to put together a trailer that gets them excited, but doesn't give them too much. But because they're, 
you know, a three-headed chimera, the ones who want lots got enough to chew on that they were satisfied at the same time, and it appeals to the straights as well. So Yeah, I think that's... I, I, it's it, an A-plus trailer. trailer. It, it had to do a lot. It had to it had to appeal to the fans, obviously, because yep. everything is about the fans. No, it's not about the fans, guys. It's about the bigger audience. And, and this trailer really... I feel like it really addressed... I call it my parents' questions. You know, uh, the people who don't understand that baby Yoda is not actually Yoda because of the timeline in which this is occurring. It happens after Yoda died. And, uh, you know, know, my parents are the people who went and saw Rogue One and they were like, oh boy, I can't believe they did another movie where they built another Death Star. It was so interesting. And I thought, no, mom, dad, I love you, but... Come on, I'm your son. Haven't I taught you anything over the past 40 years? Um, but so I, I, I feel like this movie, if if my parents saw the trailer in the theaters, they would say, oh, this connects to the original movie. This is not the thing that we saw a, a few years ago. This is something right. different. But I think it immediately tells you, oh, this yep. is addressing the stuff that happened in the 1980s. Um, it made it very clear that it was tied into the original movies. Yeah, yeah. In a very, in a very simple and effective way, and like I said, in a way, it not only indicated and tied it to the original movies. For a brief second, I had a flash like I was back watching the old movies because there it was. There was this weird video tunnel back in time. Yeah, to nineteen eighty four again. Now I had a I had a strange conversation with a, a coworker who his his only complaint was that the movie felt too modern. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like that actually really intrigued me that yeah, it, because it, it plays off of such a nostalgic, it feels like an Amblin movie. And I've seen criticisms of the trailer that it's like, oh, it's the Goonies. It's uh, an Amblin film that Spielberg would have done. It's more of an adventure than a comedy. Where's all the funny? Ha ha. I need yeah. some jokes. Um, but that wasn't his beef. His beef was that it looked too modern. And I thought, you know, actually it looked a little more old school to me. I can't. I can't quite yeah. figure out what he was what he was I thinking I think this there. is one of the things we're going to dig into because I noticed a number of things that has me questioning about whether this is actually in 2019-2020. Oh, I mean, so do you think that the movie actually may not be taking place in present day? Um, I think it might be a but possibly a little earlier. Possibly. Oh, interesting. I mean that makes I mean cuz you know the, you see the the El Camino at the beginning you see uh I'm trying to think of anything that would be telling of the time but you know the other thing too is this could be it could be like a a Tim Burton's Batman type of thing where maybe they're not going to quite define Just being timeless yeah. there's there's also a thing where it's it what we're seeing is actually just representing or um it reads small town Small towns are not, you know, the up to the minute fashion yeah. bergs that. Oh, they, sure. But here's the thing. This is why, you know what? This is why maybe we shouldn't uh, pander, not pander, um, all around the mulberry bush. Uh, maybe we shouldn't run in circles here. Maybe we should just get it. Because the trouble is, is once I start talking about stuff, it's tied to other stuff in the trailer. Uh, yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of jumping around. Well, and then part of me is like, well, there's an, a modern Subaru in there. And okay, so. Uh, well, anyway. is it a modern? Uh, yes. Question mark. But there's also, I mean, there's going to be things <laughs> well, that chronologically tie. You know, they talk about grandpa yeah. and, and the subtleties it is, it now is modern. are not here, subtle. Here's, the, like, here's the distinction I'll make. Yeah. Where it'll resolve itself, I don't know, but it'll be in the last uh, 20 years. 
Actually, probably the last 10. Because if, and actually we can start with the car, because one of the first shots is them driving off in in the with their in their car and that was one of the first things i did i sent <laughs> sent a screenshot to my brother and said me not a car guy what this he's like it's a super outback and i'm like i probably should have known that <laughs> he's like you're an idiot i said do you know the year he's like 95 no probably closer to 2000 because the, the headlights are different i'm like this is why i sent you a screenshot oh, well but the other um, thing is they're they're a family that's down on their family they exactly don't have a lot i'm of not money. saying they the car was a 2019 car oh, so. we're just gonna be shouting over one another we're so Good excited lord all right i, yeah, under- sorry, I understand ahead. i understand that point i understand it's, but if it's a 2000 <laughs> car yes you're right it means they're probably driving it around 10 plus years later, right? Yeah. But yeah. that's not to say they're driving it. It actually looks pretty good for 20 years later, I'll tell you that much. So, well, all right, let's. But let's, that's fairly circumstantial. So let's. Yeah, let's take a step. Let's take a few steps back. We can do it. Oh, we I don't want to. I just want to. I want to stare at it and I want to dissect I, everything. And I, I want to. So here's here's one thing. So uh, we, we have been talking about, yes. Um, uh, it, it looks like McKenna Grace might be a relative of Egon Spangler. She's wearing the glasses. She, uh, they've purposely given her a, a curly uh, haircut. Um, up up until this point, it was kind of people were playing coy. Jason Reitman was saying, yeah, they're related to somebody, a, a former Ghostbuster. Um, the, the trailer is not playing coy anymore. I think it's pretty clear and pretty obvious at least who – uh, who they're related to? Um, yes. That you know, there's the the Spangler uh, patch on the chest that uh, is is a blatant sort of uh, moment. There's yes, the, spores, the spores, molds, molding. and fungus. Fungus collection. About grandpa. Um, yeah. So I, I I I kind of I like this. So now we know at least that much of it um, that they're, uh-huh. uh, I mean, I, again, this could be a misdirect, but uh, you know, this is, this is this, the Spangler family possibly. And that's how they're going to deal with Harold Ramis not being in the film is uh, a grandpa passed and he left us uh, this, this cool farm with all these cool things that they're now going to discover. Um, yeah. So that, I mean, that right there answers a whole lot of our questions that you and I didn't even want to speculate about uh several no. weeks ago, much to the chagrin of a few people, but we won't get into that. But, um, <laughs> it, it's the, the, the great thing about this now is my mind is reeling about all of the possibilities here. Uh, I, I quite literally 10 seconds ago, just got a text from Craig Goldberg. You probably got the same one. Cause Craig's really good at that. Making you feel like you're his friend, but he texts everybody and tells <laughs> no, you he didn't. Yeah, unless uh, <laughs> I missed it. He didn't bother texting me. Um, I love so it, apparently Craig. I'm not Craig's friend. Uh, Craig is, Craig just said it suddenly dawned on me that we have the uh, the live action version of Egon's playset now, uh, which uh, I, I like that a lot. Egon's lab is now in That's physical right. form on the screen. Um, but that man, that man is uh, a walking collection of shower thoughts. He really is, and I love <laughs> really it. Is. Um, but yeah, so so Grandpa's creepy old farmhouse. Uh, you know, for even even if we don't see the firehouse in this film, I have a feeling that the farmhouse is going to sort of take that role. We've got the the fire pole yep. with the barn and the the shed with the secret entrance and the sort of Batman, uh, the '66 Batman Adam West uh, vibes that it has. Um, if Hasbro is not already creating a farmhouse playset, come on, guys, what are you doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> there's another. There's another. Uh, high-end toy that people should be oh, rushing to make in the car right and now. The, well, I, yeah, we'll get there. But. Okay, so how do you how do you want to approach this? Because there is the, 
the the Surface Watch gives you a lot of good stuff. The frame by frame just gives you time to realize there's so much more there. Well, should we? Yeah, do you just want to start at the beginning of the trailer and we'll just work our our way through it? That's probably the most not, efficient way to do it. Yeah, I think the conversation like I, will naturally bounce us around as we yes. have seen in the last. I was about to uh, say as we, as we get or further so. I, further into it. We're going to start referencing back, and we're going to say put a pin in that until we get to the yeah. We're going to start bouncing yeah. around pretty quick, but let's just start. In so order. yeah, so so the beginning of the trailer starts. Uh, the, the trailer is not the chronological story that I'm sure we'll be seeing in the film. It starts with some uh, dialogue between uh, Finn Wolfhard's character named Trevor and um, a still to be determined character's name. I believe I don't think we've yeah. seen this anywhere in any of the articles no. or. But obviously a Somerville. Uh, yeah, so he's yeah. he's sitting. I'm, I'm assuming that this this speech is being taken from the Celeste O'Connor. You know, them sitting in the the elevator at the mine. Um, so we see you know kids during the summer all heading out to an uh, an old mine, and they're all going to hang out and probably party. Um, f- fantastic '80s trope, by the way. Yeah. Uh, let's um let's however take a moment to appreciate that opening shot. My God, is that, that's Alberta? That has to be Alberta. I mean, that's where oh, they it's filmed, absolutely Alberta. But, uh, it looks like uh, does Oklahoma have like an Arizona rock formation canyon kind of like uh, if if any of the uh, Oklahoma Ghostbusters are out there, <laughs> let us know because I, I don't know land mass wise if that's something that's I uh, am an ex Albertan, so I have <laughs> lots to say about Alberta and can't yeah. tell you anything about Oklahoma. But but first and foremost, <laughs> that is a beautiful ass shot, man. And it you can is, quote me on yeah. that on the poster. That's your pull quote for it's a beautiful ass beautiful shot. Beautiful ass shot. Uh, uh, it is going to and given some of the other shots in this, uh, this is going to be a really beautiful movie. It. I mean, so so if I had if I had one critique that I would give to Ghostbusters, answer the call. It was that I felt that the cinematography was vastly underutilized. I mean, such a, a, a great cinematographer, just everything was F-16 bright, happy, shiny, saturated day and, and Ghostbusters answer the call. This looks completely different. This looks like yep. uh, there's there's a couple shots that are like Ridley Scott, Roger Deakins, super creepy and pools of light here, pools of light there and off in the shadows. Oh, my God, who knows what awaits us? It's going to be something terrifying. Um, and then there's these big vistas, like the first shot that you see. Um, I mean, again, it's, it's just, it's showing that this movie is something totally different. They're really establishing this is not a New York city movie too, I think. And that's probably the purpose of this trailer is, Hey, where's New York? I thought the Ghostbusters were in New York. Um, yeah, this is something totally different. Okay. Even, we're kind of here. You want our first jump? <laughs> yeah, let's jump. Let's do it. The water I, tower. I, you're going to go no, to the no. The, no, not that it's a big jump uh, to the ecto reveal of it. It's screaming oh, yes. around the, yeah. the, the field. That is their um, uh, aerial shot of the bridge in the first movie. Yeah. That, that one goes Ghostbusters in a New York environment, aerial shot. This one is Ghostbusters in a rural environment, aerial shot. Like it is stamping an entirely different. It's uh, man, but it, and you but can it works. and you can I mean, tell it, and you can tell it's intentional because what did they pick as their teaser poster image? Uh, well, yeah, the I mean that's that's important to the, note yeah. that that's oh. uh, the, it's showing you right away that this movie is something entirely totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so the the small town rural farmhouse. I mean, we talked about this back in the 
when the, that first teaser trailer um, came out, it actually really sets up some good, you know, almost cliche 1980s uh, horror movie vibes too, because it's you've got the dilapidated uh, sheds and uh, barns and all of the spooky yeah. things that can scare you, even though there's nothing legitimately there to be scared about. But just be, because of the aesthetic of the things around you, it just it kind of it puts yeah. you on edge and, and makes you feel uneasy. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean that first shot and then the, the, the first scare there, uh, I, I've got to be honest, that actually kind of hit me in my sleepy state at six o'clock in the morning. You know, it's this tender and sweet moment of them precariously dangling over a mine shaft and then all of a sudden, boom, you know? Yeah. Um, so good, good jump scares. Obviously, uh, Jason is going for kind of the, the scary, uh, here as much as he can. Yep. Um, nice little thing. If you, uh, uh, I didn't notice the plate. I'm not a plate guy, but the plate on their car. And if you look carefully on their eviction notice, they're starting in Chicago. They go from Chicago to Oklahoma. Oh, uh, the, a, a nice wink and a nod there to Harold Ramis as well. Uh, there we go. Sweet home Chicago. Um, so yeah, I mean, so this sets up that the family is, is broke. Uh, they've been evicted. Uh, they have to move into this uh, creepy old farmhouse that their grandfather left to them because it is absolutely their last resort. And uh, now, now we have met the family. Now we know Callie, the single mother, is bringing her kids, Trevor and Phoebe, out to the middle of of nowhere, Oklahoma, uh, Sumeria. Su- sorry, Somerville, uh, Oklahoma. Freudian slip. Uh, <laughs> and. Uh, and and it's just it's it's great. We're we're focusing on the characters. We're focusing on their current lot in life, and and that's where we, where we start out. Uh, the trailer progressively builds, of course, uh, much like the uh, uh, was it Mono's Hands of Fate. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to compare it to Mono's <laughs> Hands of Fate. The the family gets to the the creepy uh, gothic house, and their uh, daughter is not exactly uh, enthusiastic about it. And, but Phoebe is just like everybody, I think everybody's going to identify with this character. She just, she's me at age, you know, 12, 13, 14. Uh, it's uh, kind of, kind of socially awkward, kind of wants to just hang out by herself, might be a, a, a technical geek or something. Um, but, uh, but also feels like she's pretty cool. Like, I don't think she's exactly excited to be out there and neither do I think Trevor is who, uh, uh, Finn Wolfhard is playing his cool. Uh, what was, um, oh shoot. I'm trying I'm, I have to paraphrase it, but remember when Violet Ramis, uh, Steele told us that Harold, when he was in stripes, that was his version of playing a cool guy. I feel like Finn Wolfhard is shooting for the cool guy yeah. in this movie. Uh, I, I don't know that that's intentional. I don't think that's what they're trying to do here, but it just, it reminded no. me of that. Um, and then of course we get to, uh, to Mr. Mr. Gruberson, which is where you said, I think you're oh, first, okay. you, you are moving real fast. Oh, do, how, do you how, want to frame much, by frame? Through how those much, moments? how much do you want me to start, start put? Well, no, I have observations in, in all of them and I'm just kind of wondering where you want to, uh, yeah. Wh- should I just start I thematically missed? trying to lump together? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it was pretty quick. It pretty easy, you know, Phoebe, curly hair, glasses, smart. She figured out the floor puzzle that revealed the ghost trap. She's obviously the one that, you know, figures out where the, the you oh, know, oh, the, the lab is. but that's after this. That's still after this. I know. 
doesn't grow. We'll okay. get to that. All right. Gotcha. But what I'm saying is, is it's in a first watch, it's very easy to see that. Oh, she's the smart, sciencey one. Like I mean, we even see her in science class, right? Like with her pal and Mr. Gruberson and all that. The one that was more subtle is. It's not just a simple matter that uh, is it Trevor? Am I, am I, yeah, am I memorizing Finn, Finn names Wolfhard right? Yeah, is Trevor. Yeah, Trevor. You know the the teenager uh, wanders to the garage, finds the car, and then they have it that he like you know uh, does a little prayer, turns the key, and off he goes. There's a bunch of stuff that is kind of and like I said, some of this ties together. We'll get to it in a minute. But for example, um, in the hiding under the table scene. He's wearing a, uh, uh, a Chevy Corvette yeah, T-shirt. Yeah. When he's out at the mine shaft, he's wearing another Chevy shirt. He's obviously a car enthusiast. And when they pull up to the creepy old house, and in a later shot, also next to the barn, I count at least four caddy clunkers. Yeah, which... Which I regard as, as parts cars. And, Which and, then, yeah, like I said, leads yeah. to a whole other discussion about it's not just Egon. It seems like maybe Ray hung around here because it's kind of hard to parse. It's easy to see why Egon would set up and start doing research. But why is the Ecto in the garage? Oh, that's interesting. That's not his thing. Yeah, why are there all these uh, yeah parts cars out in... And he, yeah, yeah, and even if oh, he did bring the Ecto, Egon's not the guy that would go find cheap beaters <laughs> to keep the ecto up and running right well i mean that would make so, sense if okay so so there is that line nobody's seen a ghost in 30 years so mm -hmm. if if egon and ray if there's no business again and uh they're they're hard pressed for money sure they're going to move out to the middle of nowhere probably and and get the cheapest yeah. land and continue their research undisturbed and uh yeah yeah then it begs the question yeah. is whose house is this right is That's it, true. I jumped to it being Spangler, but you're right. It could be. It could be the old farmhouse. Is, is it the old? Yeah. Is it Ray's old farmhouse? In which case, parents left What's me the link? House. What's the link then that Ray ends up leaving it to these <laughs> this family, and especially when he's not exactly oh gone? Like yeah. It's <laughs> oh, I just had a thought. Yeah, I I kind of went to the same place you did. I have this vision of. My grandfather left us this house. They show up, they move in, uh, and then Ray pulls up and he's like, who the hell are you people? What are you doing in my house? <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot of, that's again, one of the big, it, it, it leaves a big mystery, but I like the yeah. fact that they spent a lot of time going Egon, 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 and left a few things lying around that goes, because remember, who are the two peas in the pod? From the first Ghostbusters, the guys that you know were, you know, because yeah. remember, Peter, for all intents and purposes, it kind of befriends them and tags along, right? These two, you know, were buds all through university oh, and all sure. that. Sure. I mean, think think of the moment in Ghostbusters 2 where, uh, you know, Peter calls in to say that the bathtub tried to eat Oscar and, and there's Egon and Ray with the, the skull caps on uh, trying. Trying to telepathically communicate with the the slime. Yeah, it's uh, it's these. So if Egon, for example, and this is again, we'll start digging into stuff. If Egon, see, this is the other thing. There hasn't been a ghost sighting in thirty years. Well, we're gonna have to dissect that and unpack that in a minute. But if they're talking about, for example, the well, because it's referenced the Manhattan Cross Rip. It has a name now. The Manhattan Cross Rip of eighteen nineteen eighty four. Approved the fact we that it's called the Manhattan Cross Rip. Yeah. Um, well, guess what? If things died down, but they just went through that whole thing and have a whole bunch of readings and data and perhaps could pick up little bits of weird energy, you know, elsewhere and all that, or they start, again, this is another reason why Ray's a good one to bring along. Because if Ray happens to 
you know, dig up some historical records or something of, you know, the guy that built the building that blew up on them because it opened a door to a God dimension. <laughs> uh, you can imagine that they would go out and, you know, and see, this is, this is the other thing too. This, this is a, an argument why it may not be Ray's farmhouse because what a heck of a coincidence that Ray's, Ray was born and raised in the, his grandparents' Oklahoma farmhouse, which also happens to now be right next door to a Shandor. Oh uh, yeah. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. That's Shandor a little too mine. small worldy. It's, yeah. That's a little yeah. too small worldy. So. Well, and didn't we determine does... that Camp Wakanda was like upstate New York, uh, some way, somehow yes, was that in the exactly. novelization or something? Yeah. So, but there's every clear indication that, that at Ray at least came along. So yeah. it's a fair bet that this is a Spengler home, but Ray was there when they decided to go. Like, again, if there's no ghosts to bust, what do you do? You go go after the big one that nearly destroyed the world just to keep researching it and what happened and is it going to happen again? And I, Okay, so this, 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 this choose your so own I, adventure. It, yes. I have two paths now <laughs> for our conversation. Okay. <laughs> Because you, you oh, brought up something and Troy, I don't want to lose before it before I forget about it. Before tomorrow morning, you need to cut this entire thing in a choose your own adventure format. Go. Oh God, no, I don't <laughs> okay. think I. I don't think All I right, can do that. But uh, so 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 choose your own adventure path number one. I do want to point out that when you asked me what Finn Wolfhard's character name was, and I said Trevor, that yeah. has been the easiest character name to remember because it is it is a Harold Ramis deep cut. Um, oh. and I, I very much appreciate it, it on me. and it, 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 it hurts me even just to be talking about it. But, uh, so my former employer, Trevor Albert was Harold Ramis's producing partner oh. for years and years and years from, uh, Caddyshack, uh, all the way through, you know, past to bedazzled. Right. And, and the fact that this character's name is Trevor, uh, really gets to me. So that hmm. was an easy one to remember. Phoebe, nice one. Uh, Phoebe, I remember because of what about Bob, but, uh, that's a whole other story. Um, so, but what I do want to talk about is when you were talking about the 30 years since a ghost sighting, um, and, and I, I talked about the Ghostbusters two moment that brought up a big question that I kind of want to get to right now. Let's do it. Um, I know what the question is. Let's do it. uh, There's, there's a noticeable, I I mean, of course in the, the teaser trailer, everybody said, why is it not the Ecto 1A? There is a noticeable sort of lack of Ghostbusters 2 reference here. Do we think, well, number one, do we think that they're retconning Ghostbusters 2, which I don't think they're doing? No. Uh, Or number two, is it reasonable to expect that kids uh, in 2018, 2019, whenever we think this movie is going to be taking place, are not aware that the Statue of Liberty walked through New York City during this paranormal event, or that a, a, a fifty, uh, this giant marshmallow man, uh, yeah. uh, I, I, that seems like something that, of course, would be a story that everybody would be telling. But then at the same time, I think about like 12, 13 year old kids, and you say, Hey, do you remember the Atlanta bombing? And they would go, What? What? Like, yes. Um, there are kids, there are kids that right now that couldn't even not even aware what you're talking about when you say challenger, right? Like they just don't know. Where were you when the challenger exploded? What, what's the challenger and it exploded? Yeah. Let's Um, put it this way. Uh, a friend of my family, uh, prominent Canadian, uh, political uh, scientist, uh, has a, a, I read it today. His wife posted on Facebook. I love Facebook. Anyways, she posted that his uh, personal trainer, uh, did not understand what the Soviet union was. Oh, Oh, that's interesting. (laughs) 
So well, and and, and so it, my other argument to that, I mean, I, I I have a strict do not engage policy this this go around. But mm-hmm. my other argument to that that is between 1984 and 1989, everybody seemed to forget the existence of ghosts was real too, and it probably was still exactly. fresh in our minds. It was five years we, later. We talked about this before in a, a simple five year gap. People forgot. Right, like not only forgot, but maybe remembered, but then just sort of convinced themselves. Of, remember, my dad says you're full of crap, right? Dad remembered what happened, yeah. But dad, dad's like, dad nah. saw it in the news, but said that these guys were full of crap. That it now the other thing to, to remember too real. is yeah. is is that um, that first one. Well, let's let's remember the guys are a phenomena in the first one, right? Remember they're all over the news. Casey yeah. Kasin's talking Those about guys them. on TV. Yeah. Those guys on TV, and not only that, we also talked about that it's potentially limited to you know a northeast coast thing too, right? Like definitely a big big with New Yorkers, and then kind of the news, like the awareness just kind of drops off as you go out, right? Uh, to that end, then what does how much does Ghostbusters two register with the world? When really it has some ghost stuff, but it's not being covered by the news. The Ghostbusters have been mostly forgotten, and even though they're back, they're not really getting heavy coverage or anything. And then the big event happens on the busiest, craziest <laughs> night of the year, which is New Year's Eve, and it doesn't involve a supernatural. Marshmallow Man walking through the streets. It's wacky. Don't get me wrong that they walk the Statue of Liberty through, right. but that wasn't a ghost thing. If anything, it's like, oh, those scientists guys made the thing walk, right? Like, how far does it go? That and, end. And nobody inside either of these knows about Vigo or Gozer or any of the what, bigger yeah. threats. They know that there's all yes. these strange things happening around that uh, Why women's would, fur it, coats are coming to yeah. life and running down the parkway. Uh, the, the big showdown in the first one happened at the top of a building with a giant portal cloud over it involved a giant walking marshmallow earthquakes and a a freaking explosion at the edge of central park that you could most of the city probably could have seen. Right. Yeah. The showdown with Vigo ended in a museum covered with a slime shell, which the hundreds of people outside saw, but Again, note that it was all people singing Old Lang Syne. Old Lang Syne wasn't really news there covering it or anything, right? Like, it's very easy to argue that that one maybe slipped under the radar. And the fact that my sense is that when Gruberson goes, hasn't been a ghost sighting in 30 years, what he means is, yeah, there was this thing and then they just kind of faded away. And from his perspective, they did. They had the blip in 89 where they were kind of back, but... You know, where did, <laughs> what's the best coverage they got in Ghostbusters 2? They, they, they brush off a, uh, a, an arrest and talk to the New York press there. And then that still turns into the thing that it's the courtroom press. Did it end up on the evening news? Like, what does it? Yeah. Like did, it just, did, did, a, did a Ghostbusters return go national or, I mean, obviously no. Gruberson was affected by it because he's. I, I think Gruberson well, is here's us. The thing. He's you and I. He's he is us. our perspective. I uh, don't know that he necessarily knows about about uh, about Ghostbusters two, and this and this is why there's there's I have some questions about the um, the, the the timing. If he says hasn't been a ghost scene in thirty years, 
and Ghostbusters 2 not retconned, but rather we find out after all this time, just like in the five years after the first one, in the 25 years after the second one, it's just, they're kind of faded into, like, really, after 25 years, who remembers, right? Like, yeah. this, if they're not in the in front of the cameras all the time, it just fades away. I think there is some possibility that the measure here for this movie, and this, this is where we start getting tinfoil hats and yarn on the wall pointing to articles here, just bear with me, that he says 30 years counting from 84-ish meaning 30 years puts it at 2014. Here's mm. my thought. Are you ready? Yeah, we'll bring in we'll bring in some of the other pieces. I think this sets the foundation that if this does well and it's gonna, not if when this movie does well and they want to keep going with the 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 you know the franchise. This one comes out in 2020. We're going to get another one as early as 2023. Yeah, that's reasonable. Well, if 2022 said- 2023 if you set this movie in 2014 and say, this is Trevor, he's, you know, a high schooler, this is his sister, she's in middle school, and the actors are 13 and whatever Finn is, 17? Oh, you Something brilliant like man. I see where you're you going. Move it, yeah. you, move, you, move, you move it ahead to 2023, and suddenly Finn is, is closer to his real age in 2023, which is 21-ish, and she's a 17-year-old. You can involve them in a new team. You know, involving maybe that fanboy who's us, Paul Rudd. <laughs> It, it and becomes, knows the equipment. Chapter two. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is my thinking that we're not seeing a movie set in 2020. We're seeing it slightly earlier. Huh. It doesn't. It doesn't retcon Ghostbusters two. I know people are like they didn't no, mention no, it. It's no, gone. No. Yeah, Ghostbusters two. I mean, <clears throat> uh, the 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 one person and I, I. Oh my god! I'm so sorry. Somebody brought it up to me and they were like, uh, "Ask ask any 16 year old who the dream team was." And it was a it was a fen- it was a national phenomenon. Everybody knew about them in the '90s. Uh, I bet you no kid under the age of 20 knows who the Dream Team was. Yep. And I said that's exactly it. It's it's just because we move on so quickly in history. Even though something could be uh, ET in 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 the 80s could have been uh widely publicized and aliens are real and everybody <laughs> believes that an alien touched down and lived in uh, a california suburb uh, uh, no aliens don't exist whatever that's just a yeah. hoax um so anyway so i i, I feel and i feel like the movie will probably address that like what do you mean yep. ghosts aren't real I, i've seen this stuff paul rudd is probably going to have some sort of a line that that just quickly brushes that away but yeah um I, this is this is like I said, there's more to then build onto that bit if and when we start talking a bit more about the family uh, <laughs> and their stuff. But I just want to leave it there. This is this is what I was saying though. Like we are almost an hour in, Chris Stewart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we can do this. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think it's going to be too too terrible. There's some key, big th- things to chew over and some little things, and I think yeah. it'll be fine. Just just hang tight. Um, I um. What was I, I was going to say? Oh, yeah, the weird time thing, too. Like, there's the small town thing that if you look with the, like, the stuff everybody's wearing, some of it is, like, small town. Like, you know, the check shirts and the, the you know, trucker caps and all that. But some of the kids he's hanging out with are just kind of outsidery. Like, it looks like there's the one rave girl. But that's, you know, she's it, she seems slightly out of time. There's the yeah. one kid wearing a Nirvana t-shirt. And it's like, you seem slightly... <laughs> 
out of time. Well, well I mean, that's um, that's a lot of the stuff that now, I mean, uh, kids are ironically wearing the 90s uh, t-shirts absolutely. and stuff. So I, I feel like that kind of also does put it in, in the present day. But uh, Yeah, and, and, and some of it may just be the decision too, right? Like them driving around in an El Camino, right? Like that's, you know what I mean? They could have had them driving, driving around in a... Um, like a pickup truck would have been fine, but there's something weird about giving them the '70s car truck. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. It it actually kind of it, this is the fun part. If they're gonna play with like time and era a little bit, like in order to set things up moving forward, like not wildly, but if, just to make things slightly off kilt, especially. And this is where it might also be handy too. When you're asking a chunk of the audience to come back and relive 1984, and another chunk wasn't there for it right if you can kind of not make it exactly now but not exactly make it a period piece it serves everybody so much better right like well i mean it it i think what i'm what i'm getting from this is that if you haven't seen the original two ghostbusters films and you see this you will still understand it, uh, to con- to continue drawing the parallels, it's The Force Awakens. If you haven't seen yeah. the original Star Wars films, you you get that this Han Solo guy, this was his ship, and Luke Skywalker was a big deal, and we need to find him. And yeah, uh, so it, it does set things up where if you need to retroactively go, retroactively go back and look at the movies, um, uh, the the trailer is certainly doing that. I don't know if the movie itself is going to do that, but all right, let's um. um all right, we're gonna let's keep get, moving. Let's cut. Let's cut to the chase, though. Um, I have a complaint about this trailer. I have one single complaint. Would you like to hear it? Yes, please tell me what you got. No Canadian, uh, <laughs> no human being would stack Timbits like this. Um, <laughs> it was a very nice. It was a very a Jurassic water. You know, cup of water in Jurassic Park to have minor trevor, uh, tremors <laughs> and the the giant plate of as you guys would call them donut holes. Donut holes topples yeah. over. <laughs> we keep them in a box for that very reason. I don't know who <laughs> who stacks them that high, especially when it's mixed. Because you know some jerk's going to take the jelly filled at the bottom uh, and it's like a pile of oranges at the grocery store and they just the fall com- everywhere. I mean, that, that is such a wonderful Close Encounters <laughs> shot. Like what? who stacked those, whatever that is, like 10 deep and yeah. Well, I'm assuming it's hairy forearms with the pen that we don't... <laughs> Also, it, it's small town USA, man. Like, that's what true. else are you going to do? Like, yeah, you're going to make volcanoes out of, of donut The funny part is and... it was a very nice nod to the fact that it was filmed in Canada. We, we Let's put it this way. There wasn't a single Canadian that didn't go, Timbit's very nice. Like, I, just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, uh, by the way, I don't think we'll bother getting into it here. Uh, there was a CBC article that we posted up, uh, and it grew too. Um, it, it only had a couple of things. And I was mad because I was like, I spent an hour finding those locations. And then she posted an article, like, here they are. I'm like, oh. <laughs> but it kept growing where it shows all the filming locations in Alberta. And round of applause, they built Somerville out of four Alberta towns and some backcountry roads and stuff. Like it is, it is really amazing how they built like a, an Oklahoma small town out of four small yeah. Alberta towns. And it's all over the place. Like it's. It's really amazing what they did. Um, and, and it looks, I mean, it gets very expansive, especially towards those last shots of the ecto-tearing 
through the streets, uh, which yeah. it almost reminds me of like the the New Mexico town from from the first Thor. But uh, yeah, well, yeah. I will p- give people one little hint: the um, the shot of them walking to the mine. Um, that butte in the background doesn't exist. That's not really there. That ah. that was a that was their digital matte painting in the background. A little bit of set extension or land the, yeah, extension, the, the, I guess. The the low lying. Um, valley walls in the distance are real, but they, uh, they built this beauty, which I think was there to sell the idea that the mine is digging into a mountain and the, the, you know, the, the stuff in the mountains. So, um, well, okay. So, so to keep us moving, let's talk about, so Phoebe after the earthquake with the Timbits, uh, she gets to this puzzle cube that's in the floor of the farmhouse. And that's where she presumably ends up finding the the traps because that's what she takes into the show and tell with Logan Kim. Uh, speaking of symmetrical Timbit stacking, did we want to mention the earthquake, the little Easter egg in the earthquake for anybody who may not have noticed it? The book stacking. Yes. (laughs) So the, the funny thing too is, uh, no human being would stack books like this. I have a feeling that that's like a Rubik's cube joke that like yeah. if Egon or Ray or whom, whomever is out there in the middle of Somerville uh, and v- just on one board night, I figured out symmetrical book stacking. That was, that was their puzzle. <laughs> well, as somebody who created a, uh, 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 challenge game of stacking books, uh, yeah, getting them over the six foot mark is, uh. <laughs> Is a, is a is a is a is an achievement and a half, and so. having them withstand uh, tremors every day, as we learn uh, from Mr. Gruberson, that every really, single day there's yeah. a yeah. When you have a tra- when you have a trailer where you're trying to f- accomplish all these little it, very important goals to a very wide range of people, putting in the symmetrical book stacking as as the one big wink to the fans instead of a. You know, somebody sitting there stuffing staple of marshmallows into their, you know, you know right? It's I, like, but that, welcome to Summerville, one marshmallow. Like, it's just... <laughs> like, but doesn't that, yeah, doesn't it, that give you hope that there's going to be all these little, the, the symmetrical book stacking, oh, no. the orange little, uh, yeah. you know, trolley cart thing from the original film that they're pulling out of Columbia University, the whatever. Like, I, I see those in, in uh, like, auto shops all the time, whatever that, that thing is. But yeah. um, all of those little Easter eggs are going to be the things that we get to... Chris, here's but, here's yeah. my first thought when I when I saw this sure. trailer. I was like, thank God Chris and I are going to have stuff to talk about for the next five, ten years because <laughs> this is going to be one of those movies where you're going to watch it and you're going to see all of these things that you never see in the first 12 passes. Yeah, the movie's going to be filled with tons of it. My point is that they served one up to us, but it was a very understated one that didn't didn't just hit us in the face and interfere with what they were trying to accomplish and with the trailer. I didn't notice it. To be honest, I didn't notice it until somebody pointed it out. Somebody pointed to me. it out, right? Yeah. It was very um, subtle. It was very nice. So, um, so, so, okay. So, so after that in the trailer, we get to, uh, sort of, this is where we start to get into like act two or act three of, of the trailer itself of here's yeah. the threat and here's what we're going to be facing. Um, which is also where Jason Reitman's credit comes up, which good for Jason. It's like from writer director, Jason Reitman. I'm like, Oh dude, good for you, Jason. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, we, we see this kind of industrial space. This is, this is the, the Ridley Scott shot that I was talking about. Like it's yes. just, it's very kind of spooky. You can almost hear the chains like rattling in the background. 
Um, and there's this, this ghost and this is, I, I think my theory is this is the ghost that they're chasing in the Ecto later in the trailer. Uh, I 100% agree with that given that initially I thought this was plastic blowing in the breeze Uh, when I watched it initially on my phone. And then when I started watching it frame by frame and realized, no, that's, those are arms and those are legs. It is a big fat blobby blue gray body with weird little I can understand where people are yeah. drawing this and I think even in Anthony Bresnikin's breakdown uh, cuz there's a really great breakdown on Vanity Fair uh, he says this is not Slimer and I've 100% I believe it Anthony Bresnikin has the inside scoop so I'm going with that but well and and I don't have to be Anthony Bresnikin to know that Slimer doesn't have legs and this one does so right yeah and, and more and then to, to go to your point yes uh in at least one of the shots outside when they're chasing it, you can see that same blue gray color, the big fat blobby body and the weird the little undersized yeah. Yeah, arms and legs. So. so, so, but if we're frame by framing through, and this is, this is part of the reason that, that my research ended up on, on the Ghostbusters HQ website is <laughs> because when I watched that, I, I couldn't quite understand what I was looking at. And when I frame by frame through it, it looks like a foam rubber creature. It looks like something Steve Johnson probably designed. It's it's this. It, it doesn't feel CGI. I mean, and we know based upon that that teaser trailer that Jason is really trying to do everything, kind of in the same vein as much as he possibly can with the constraints of his time and his budget, um, to to make make yes. this movie like 1984. That My, feels like yeah. a foam rubber creature to me, and I I approve, man. It My understanding awesome. was that uh, Werner Herzog uh, called up Jason Reitman. <laughs> you are if cowards. you don't if you don't use Steve Johnson's puppet, you are cowards. If you have many um, Werner Herzog uh, impressions, we will not do them. Yes. Um, but. I've watched a lot of them lately. I'm getting very good <laughs> at it, I think. Uh, so, yeah, so this this sets up a little bit of I a mystery. I drove at least three of my stars crazy in my movies. <laughs> I made one of them push a boat over a mountain. <laughs> I was not a coward. Um, oh, Werner. Um, <laughs> Anywho, uh, back to Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I, the, the foam rubber creature, the practical effects, I mean, there are a lot stop. of things in here that... Stop stop stopping. playing sound. Sorry, I'm trying to call it up here. And oh, oh, oh. It's uh, playing noise. So, so at this point, that's when we start to get into that moment, the moment where we see the archival shots of the Ghostbusters, uh, where yes. Gruberson is talking about... Uh, New York City in the 1980s was like the walking dead. These guys were rock stars, and that's how he immediately recognizes the ghost trap as a replica. I'm guessing Phoebe takes it to school to show to to Logan Kim's character. Yeah. Um, and is like, what the hell is this? And that's when Gruberson sees it at summer school. He's like, what? why did you bring that in here? That's a great replica. You don't know what that is? Let me inform you. Yes, that replica of what and that fantastic Paul Rudd double take between the two kids yeah. <laughs> where you can see his face go, you, it's what? You don't yeah. know? Huh? What? <laughs> uh, cut to the Mac and me shot from Conan and yeah. Uh, uh, but no, this this is great. Like this is uh, this is perhaps one of the first of maybe many shots that we'll see from the original films 
Um, and, and as you alluded to earlier, this is probably why they dug through the mines to find uh, dailies so that it wasn't something that we're familiar with so that it doesn't bump you in the movie when you go, oh, that's the shot from when yeah. they're first entering 55 Central Park West. Uh, it, it, it works really well. Um, I, I, I feel like maybe this is probably not a final shot from the film because there's a lot of weird kind of blurring stuff going on. Somebody pointed out there's like a promo photo of uh, Ray uh, Parker Jr. in it. Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> in it. Uh, so, I mean, I, I'm guessing this was just something they composited for the trailer. But, uh, you know, I'm looking at that shot in the gas uh, refinery of that thing. It looks like it's got six like appendages on either side. It looks. I, I mean, think- to me, I, I, the only thing I could explain it as is like one of those microscopic like amoeba looking, like the, uh, the, the weird like protozoa things that you see at the bottom of the sea that the, have like the, multiple yeah, appendages and the they're all kind of like yeah yeah, uh, um, the, the the first fossilized creatures or you know that, yeah, those kind of things. It's, um, um, yeah, it's yeah, I will say I spent a half an hour running down a rabbit hole trying to identify his Dell laptop by era, and then I realized I was crazy and walked away. Uh, so Crazy, 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 crazy thought. And yes. maybe this is the wine talking, Chris Stewart. Okay. There was I'm, a, on, te- there I'm was on tequila, so I'm... <laughs> well, remember in the in the Halloween Horror Nights uh, maze, everybody uh, was talking about, oh, there's a ghost that's from, uh, May- or somebody told us it's from the new movie. I can't. I think that was the the yes, have some kids, the one on the old stance farm. Is that what this is? What what did that ghost look like? Have we seen photos of that? No, I don't think we have. Okay, I wonder if that's one and the same. Somebody out there, Maybe. as you're listening to this, and if you have a photo of that thing, let's check that. I wonder if that's what this is. But anyway. <laughs> This is me asking for crowdsourcing stuff on a podcast that you're probably driving. Don't look it up, but for the love don't, of God, yeah, put your look it up damn phone down. All right. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so the archival uh, shots. This is this is a great moment. Is, you see uh, oh. Dan Aykroyd. I got very sad. Actually, it was great. Like I got I got real. Ooh. And then it starts where you see Ray uh, more than anything, and then just just before they cut coming out from behind Winston, you see Harold. It's like, Aah. yeah. And like and literally it's like three frames of his face and then they just cut. I'm like, Aah. and I bet <laughs> if you're Phoebe at this moment, you're like grandpa, grand grandfather. Well, that's, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's a piece yeah. of context that's missing. She would know what grandpa looks like. Right. Yeah. So maybe that's uh, why there are a lot of these things in the trailer as a good trailer does. Like, it teases, but it never actually resolves. So like when she's, uh, sort of, uh, uh, like her, her hand is waving and her fingers are kind of going through the, the flight suits and we land on the Spengler, uh, name badge. It never resolves. Like we never get that moment to like, wait, what did that say? Uh, so this is another one of those moments. Those um, flight suits, by the way, go back to my, at least Ray was hanging out there because, why would Egon have four suits? Do you know what I mean? Oh, good point. Yeah. But then, but then if it's just him and Ray, why would they have double suits? I don't, it, it starts again, (sighs) running down weird rabbit holes. If they haven't been busy for 30 years, do they still even have the fire hall? 
No, well, that's maybe what they had to do is, you know, when, uh, when your business, when, yeah. when you shut down your business and you have to clear everything out, including all of your inventory of your, uh, uniforms and, yeah. um, equipment and whatever, where does it go? It immediately goes into your garage at your house or it goes yeah. to uh, a storage exactly. place. Um, so, so people, people may need to be prepared, that, but here's the thing. If they're moving ahead with a new team, there is always that triumphant return to, you know, the HQ sort of thing. Ray, Ray uh, still owns that firehouse, and I bet he's a big real estate person, and he doesn't want to lose they, that on Manhattan. But That's true. That's good money. And uh, maybe they're just landlords now. There's the, You could actually <laughs> – no, no. Stay with me. They they go in. They buy that place. If they can get enough money out of an increasing New York real estate market to sublet to somebody while, or, or, or rent it to somebody while they continue to make their mortgage payments – and then live off like we're living off the leasing agreement. Yeah, living living off the 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 little that's left. Uh, you know, if you're living in small town America, that dollar stretches a long way. So I I mean I laughed because I had this weird vision of the the Tribeca Firehouse being an Urban Outfitters. That, that, like Ray is renting it out to an Urban Outfitters, and there's just a bunch of hipsters yeah. in there selling it's, you know t-shirts. It's a good and, location. Uh, but yeah, that is that is the way you get it back too. It's like yeah. they didn't lose the firehouse; they just have to wait for. Give me I'm my sorry. Fu- uh, uh, what's uh, what's it? Uh, Old Navy's uh, lease is up for three <laughs> yeah, years, exactly. and then you can have it back. Stumptown um, Coffee, get the hell out of here! We need to start up the Ghostbusters again. But then it spreads everybody far and wide. Like uh, you know, Ray and Egan hanging out at the farmhouse. The Guys have obviously been there sometimes, but Peter's probably gone off his light. Uh, like, this is the thing. Like, once you start down these rabbit holes, it starts, is Peter, who already had his own apartment, is he off living with Dana now? What's his life? And and of all of them, the person who could just go, well, it was fun, guys. Call me if anything blows up. It's Winston, right? Winston can wander off, probably get a job anywhere, really. And then yeah. <laughs> it's, I, uh. I don't, I feel like all this bit in the middle uh with Phoebe and Mr. Gruberson is all out of order. I feel like he's like hey cool f- ghost trap. She goes or you know replica. He's replica what? He's like ghost trap. He's like, examining it. Then we then you move to the scene where it actually is energized for a minute and he drops it. Uh, then there's the voiceover of him going and he's like where did you get this? And she's well, like who it was are in my you guys? Yeah. He was in my granddad's house and she's like who and he's like who are you? That however brings the question, what is Phoebe's last name? Because if a Ghostbusters fanboy is teaching her science and he, uh, the new kid in class goes, hi, I'm Phoebe Spangler. Uh, I mean, if 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 grandpa has been out of the picture and dad, it seems, is out of the picture for Callie, too. So it's it's yeah. possible that she was possible. So Callie was a Spangler or a Stance or whatever. I mean, a Spangler. Let's it has Let's to stick be. with that. Yeah. Uh, and. But maybe last name. You're right. Last name probably changed because they probably took dad's last name. Yes. And dad's or, gone. So. Ready to jump around again? Uh, I think one. I know where you're going. Okay. Hit me. What do you got? Do you want me to leave it out? I can no, leave no, it no, out. No, no, Go. No, tell this me. This came me. up over uh, tacos and beer with uh, uh, Gary of the Ghostbusters. And Tyler. Tyler was there as well. Um, um, he actually posited an idea i then realized he wasn't aware of some of the casting and it actually fit quite well um 
we talked about what role Oliver, um, what's his last name? Hill, uh, yeah, Oliver, Oliver Cooper, I want to say. Oliver Who, Cooper, yes. Yeah. Who, as we discussed, has an uncanny resemblance to somewhere between oh. Ghostbusters, Egon, and uh, later Harold Ramis. He looks somewhere in between. Is that dad? What, You're what thinking if the, that's dad? What if the bloodline from Grandpa Spangler is through his son? And the son who is missing from the life of this family is, uh, you know, Egon Jr., for lack of a better term. Uh. Then begging the question, where did da- where did Grandpa and Dad go? And was it the same place? Because it seems unlikely that they hire Oliver Cooper to just be a deadbeat dad who's wandered off somewhere. Oh, that's interesting. I mean, I don't know why. But I maybe it's just maybe uh, cliche storytelling, but I. I pictured Callie being the daughter of. We all did because she, yeah. as we discussed, she's kind of Janine Melnitz S. Yeah, but what oh, if that's she's interesting? What and what if <laughs> you have to build a team in 2023 with a grandson and granddaughter who are just legal drinking age and high school age with their pal fanboy Paul Rudd who's a high paid actor and you don't want to lose him if you're building a new franchise <laughs> and you and you want to move forward with a bunch of fanboys who are going we just want the original Ghostbusters and we miss Harold oh hey it's that guy who's his son who looks incredibly like him who somehow comes back into the picture in solving a mystery that grandpa was uh, apparently uh, uh, researching and stopped out of the blue because he's got a basement filled of freaking Petri dishes and fungus that he apparently just, and a car and live nuclear proton packs that he just walked away from or disappeared. So I'm. I, I didn't even think of, I mean, that's, that's a, that's a great theory. That's and to really be honest, it goes back to uh, a really great uh, pizza and beer you and I had back in February. <laughs> we had we had some weird we had some weird out there ones, and this one is not exactly like some of the ones we talked about, but it fills some of the same oh, functions man. in terms of setting up a future as well as dealing with the loss and absence of Harold. Uh, that that's the kind of thing I love where all of these things that I've, I have whatever these preconceived notions of something. And then I think, well, why didn't I think about that? Why didn't I think, well, dad's out of the picture. Who is dad? I did not. You and I sat here and talked about the casting huh. of Oliver Cooper. And the best we got to was he looks like him. Maybe they use him for flashbacks uh, photo or double. maybe That's what he's, you and I had talked about was like, maybe he's a photo double, but or he's a something. good actor. It yeah. may, and it wasn't until Gary said his son and I went oh my god the guy who's <laughs> missing from this equation wow um so like I said podcast bet that's that's I kind of like that one that's kind of cool well yeah and then wherever uh, grandpa and dad are they're they're together uh or disappeared together or something um yeah it might be a what do you want to call it a uh, Scotty uh, in a transporter loop sort of thing who knows right like <laughs> here comes Thomas Riker get rid uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Uh, so okay, so I, I, applaud, I applaud the reference, but thank no. you. Uh, damn, I tried. Uh, so so Phoebe secret goes down. Lab. Secret see, lab. She goes into the secret lab, and this this was the thing that intrigued me. This is the thing that um, I, I mean, 
my daughter is a little too young, but I've, I figure if, if she watches this, this is going to be the thing that intrigues her the most. So she goes into the secret lab. She's following the PKE readings uh, toward whatever. I mean, what is the spectral entity that's giving her readings? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it takes her into the secret lab that is just, it, it, it is a, a, a gadget freaks dream. It's got a Betamax mm-hmm. uh, deck in the back. Did Dan Schoening uh, art direct this? That's kind of what I was wondering because there's nothing but Easter eggs in there. I want to zoom in on everything. Yes. Uh, racks of equipment taken right from the firehouse in the first movie. Uh, yeah, um, there's, a, there's an oscilloscope there. I mean, there are uh, behind a, a grow light, there are fungi of all different yeah. kinds. Those um, old uh, green CRT monitors that they used in both movies. Oh, God. It's just, it's so good. There's like a whole rack. So the, the, the hero shot of the proton pack, like the mid-assembly proton pack that's on the, the table. Yes. Which, again, that everybody, iconography. Everybody, everybody put a pin in that uh, mid-assembly, by the way, because that's another thing that we're going to get to here in a Oh, yeah. Good, good point. Good point. So, yeah, it's it's a it doesn't have... There's a few pieces missing from from that proton pack, but but in the background of that, you see the like server racks that are filled with all of the pre digital yes. uh, equipment in the background, and it's just it it ah oh, god, it just feels like Ghostbusters. It everything just feels like Ghostbusters. It 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 works so well. And speaking of those little nods, well, here's here's to your thing. If you have an expensive piece of uh, Manhattan uh, property, and you need it to, if you can't bus ghosts to pay for it you have to turn it over to somebody else and old navy or somebody goes uh uh yeah this is great but we're gonna have to take out this pole uh given that bill murray did the same thing for his farmhouse uh you kind of take the pole with you and what it's the fast entrance to your secret underground base i love that that actually i kind of half wonder if that's not a nod to Bill's fire, like his old country, that country home he sold, remember? And everybody went, oh my God, it's got a fire pole in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, th- th- this one frame, um, there are there are so many things to look at. So the proton pack, obviously, that's what everybody's focused on. Um, yes. But in the background, there's the green um, ASCII uh, uh, computer monitor that looks like it's got, uh, you know... Uh, uh, Wilhelm von Deutschendorf, uh, uh, like the 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 Vigo, the Carpathian <laughs> occult been, reference net. That's what I was talking about. It's been, you think it's been dialing into a BBS number, the I, occult reference net, for yeah, twenty years. <laughs> God, it, but it is just—it's amazing. Like that—that that one frame. Uh, I must have sat there because I, I, I pulled down the, the HD version, and I must have—it's all yeah. blurry. You you zoom in, and you want to look at everything. But there's stri- strips of 35 millimeter negatives hanging on the wall. Like it's just—it is. It, I, oh. I know they shot this in Alberta, but I I guarantee somebody went to apex out here in pasadena and just bought oh, a yeah. whole truckload of stuff and carted it all the way carted up there. it up there yep um but anyway so yeah so phoebe goes down to this awesome secret lab uh which uh craig uh i, I i'm not ignoring the text <laughs> i just don't want to text while i'm i'm recording here um so yeah so we're we're i bet this is egon's lab or egon and ray's lab or uh, whatever the firehouse was, was converted into. 
Um, and and at this point, uh, well, she's heading. She's following the PKA meter to a, a shed in the back. I think they built their lab underground. There's no well, windows yeah, in this the, thing. Yeah, the fire pole takes her. That was my kind of. Uh, I I kind of assumed that that was. But again, it's the editorial that's kind of messing with your head too. Like those could yeah. be two different things. They're just cutting them together. But you know, so, it'd be good, you know, it'd be handy for building a secret underground uh, lab in a out behind a farmhouse. And it, uh, Winston Zedmore. <laughs> Isn't, yeah. isn't he one of his degrees an engineering degree? He is an engineer. There yeah. you go. If you need somebody to go, we need... <laughs> Please put a bunker in the back. I got it covered. <laughs> yeah, I, I can get you a fallout shelter that... Uh, <laughs> all right, sure. Um, again, um, th- th- wonderful. Yeah, Winston can come out and be like, yeah, I built this uh, with your granddad or something. Oh, God, yeah. I love it. Uh, so anyway, so yeah, that, that was... Uh, this whole moment was right when I, I knew I was hooked. Like the, oh, the yeah. first part of it is that like, okay, I'm trying to get a sense of it. It's, it, it feels to me like when you're watching a film for the first time and for the first like 20 minutes, you're like, I don't know. Am I into this? Am I, am I enjoying this? Is, is this going to be good? Is this going to be bad? I'm kind of worried. The trailer did the same thing. And once I got to this, I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm hooked. I, I, this could have, this could have gone South very quickly. This could be a different podcast if it did not uh, get to this point, because I'd be like, Oh, why didn't they? Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, so Gruberson with the, the trap that has the kind of, um, the mist, the green ethereal glow that comes out of the trap. It feels to me like he opens it up and it's got enough residual charge to kind of give off a little field. Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't so there's do not the... a ghost in there. You don't think that like, no, I saw somebody was like, Oh, Slimer's in there. Slimer's been in there since 84. That's the Slimer trap or, uh, something. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. It looks, it looks more like to me, like you, he, when a trap is opened and starts to do its field, but doesn't have enough charge to follow through on it. That's, yeah. that's my feeling. Uh, and then uh, after that, he drops the trap and he goes, wait a minute, who are you? And that's the shot, the shot with the flight suits, with the Spangler uh, uh, name badge, the old school 1984 Spangler name badge, which a few people have pointed out, like, why is yep. that not the 89 font? Um, I, again, who knows? Maybe the Ghostbusters 2 thing was a phase. Maybe they took the the peace sign patches off and went back to the way things were. Um, I, I do know that they're using uh, the ripstop fabric, which uh, if you're out there and you want to recreate this, get going because there it is. You can tell right right away. There's it's got that like kind of honeycomb. Anyway, I won't. Yeah. I won't keep going down that path. Yep. Um. So yeah. So Spangler uh, just. Uh, is there any doubt, Chris? Uh, Phoebe Phoebe is related to Egon Spangler some way, somehow. If it's through mom, if it's through dad, uh, who? Oh, at this point, it feels like it's one of the lost leaders. Like, the minute they put out the pictures, everybody immediately went, Egon, question mark? Yeah. So it feels like if you're going to do a teaser seven months out, and you don't want to give away too many big reveals lean into the ones that have already kind of been suspected. Do you know what I mean? So that's, I, I think, yeah, there's no, no ifs, ands, or buts. I'm, unless he's manufactured, Reitman has manufactured an amazing 
what a twist. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what else this could be. Well, yeah. Um, well, so, all right. So after this. Yep. Uh, so we get into the Shandor mine stuff. Do you, do you, are, are we good to move on to that part? And we get into yeah. the Shandor mine. We get into the call it fate, call it luck, call it karma. Yes. Uh, um, which again is another nice nod when you're trying to set the stage for something that is not focused on the original team, but you want to keep involving the original team somehow. So we have a new shot of them. We have old equipment of them. We have their old uniforms and we have Bill Murray voiceover. And a few people have pointed out like, well, this was a, this was a joke in the original film. Uh, I believe we were destined to get thrown out of this dump. Yeah. Um, but doesn't it applies here? Like they get evicted oh, from their house, they get thrown out of a place, they get uh, shot to a Oklahoma suburb or rural, not even a suburb. Yeah. Um. It, it, there is a little bit of of ring theory repeating itself here. Do I think that the movie? Do I think that uh, Phoebe and Trevor and uh, Logan Kim's character are going to open a business and and uh, start ghostbusting? No, no, I don't think that's where it's going no. at all. But um, I I think that's the point of this quote here is that like the inciting incident of the Ghostbusters being thrown out of Columbia University, which led them to become Ghostbusters, this family got kicked out of their house. Which leads them to become Ghostbusters, I guess. Like, that's kind of what I think they're trying to draw that line uh, to. Yeah. Well, it depends on... I cannot imagine that Sony just wants a one-off. I think Sony wants more Ghostbusters movies. And I think this is Jason laying the foundation for places to go with the with the series and the yeah. franchise. It is not him trying to set up everything in one go. I think this is him addressing time past, incorporating it into what has gone before, and then setting the stage for where things are going to go next. It is, like I said, I, I would be very much surprised if this movie ends with... Uh, uh, with... <laughs> I... <sighs> I, it depends on how the original cast is involved in this because so far everything we've seen I think what we're heading towards is we see them at the end somehow and even then I don't think it's be going oh well you solved it I guess the Ghostbusters are back in action high fives <laughs> everybody has a proton pack Sweet and away we go back in the saddle yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I, I think and like I said I, I really am very partial to my theory that this is just setting the stage so that when you do another one three years down the line well four from here four years down the line then you can do the like what is coming out of this that is going to allow them to then get back into business busting ghosts and like I said I, I think there's too much already to parse like to parse the family legacy to answer the question of what happened to the original guys and more specifically what happened to Harold slash Egon to then somehow shoehorn in a, and we're starting up a business. Like it's just. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that this is like the restart of, no. of Ghostbusters as a business, but I think it, it will kind of maybe organically lead to that. Yeah. Uh, in ultimately theory? in follow ups. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. I think like, I, like, 
I actually part of I really hope that this movie does not end with I don't know, like somehow it all wraps up at the end and they go and you know, six months later and they're all back in New York at the fire hall and business is booming and a, or worse yet, an end credit scene that's in ah, I, I I think I wanna hear the story of the family. I wanna find yeah. out what happened to the originals and what happened to Egon and find out what ultimately all this Shandor mystery means, not only in relation to the past, because this is the other thing that's gonna be great is we're going to find out more about Ivo Shandor. Right. And whatever we find out from Ivo Shandor in this one, we can retroactively apply it backwards to what we saw in the first movie. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, you read my mind. That's what I was going to ask you is like, do you feel that this Shandor mining company thing is going to sort of make a uh, – sort of change how our perspective of the first movie or even give us some backstory or something? Because it's like if, if Ivo Shandor had these followers that believed in – uh, the world ending, uh, they wanted to bring about the end of the world and he was an architect and, uh, maybe this is the selenium mind, which I know a few people have, have been calling out, uh, where he built yeah. the girders for, uh, for Dana Barrett's apartment. Yeah. It like, says right, it says right there established 1929. That's two years before the actual building in New York was, uh, built. So, so I, it, it's it, a nice, it it's a sense. nice timeline. Yeah. He went to war. He came back crazy. He started a cult and had a plan and it involved getting his own mind to dig out his own selenium and start building his own building in New York. Um, well, and, and, and the best part, like this is where the trailer <laughs> takes a turn for me because I feel like everything to this point is like ghosts are real. Like their, their existence is real. They're, they're setting that whole thing up again. But yeah. this whole Shandor mining company thing sets up a whole other stage of um, uh, the, the, everybody in this town could be it could be invasion of the body snatchers. Like all of a sudden you could realize that all of these people are Gozer worshippers or yeah. something crazy. And it well, takes a turn. It, people it becomes pointed, something intriguing yeah. here. Some people have pointed out. I haven't really done any digging to double check, but that the town at the very least still bears a lot of the impact of Ivo Shandor and his mine there. See, here's the thing. Guy sets up a mine and wants to dig up selenium. Well, that needs workers. If you're going to hire in workers, uh, let's put it this way, Canada, America, filled with small towns that popped up because they were there to serve the mine, right? Like right. if uh, you're going to bring in workers, rush, totally. they, need to, yeah. they need to live somewhere and services have to be there. And then, you know, mines close down and, you know, the farmers keep things going there or whatever. There's lots of different options and all that. But at a minimum, there's that. Like it's just obviously the town of Somerville, if it didn't start with Ivo Shandor, it grew with Ivo Shandor and it still bears a lot of his, a lot of marks that reference him. And as you say, though, at worst, it could be a town with multi-generations of people going, you know, Hail Hydra, right? Like it just. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's kind of what I'm picturing is all of a sudden poor Phoebe makes this realization yeah. and everybody around her is the bad guy. Well, here's the thing. This trailer, we never talked about in that earthquake. Well, actually, I think he comes up a little later, but we did see a shot of him earlier in the, uh, uh, Carrie Coons' husband. In, in real life, yeah. In real life, yeah. plays the the guy who owns the hardware store, and is surprisingly uh, present in a teaser trailer, 
in which we had no idea he was in this movie. Yeah. Uh, and so he's kind of a big time character actor, uh, has been in a lot of things too. A big, um, a big yeah. time everything. That guy is like a playwright of note, uh, an actor of note. Um, here's the, you know, going to your, if we want to run down your line there, you know, he's an older actor. I think he's 14, 15, 16 years older than Carrie is. Um, and it, you know, he's, well, he's an older gentleman. He's got, you know, gray, white hair and all that. That would be a guy that say his parents or very much his grandparents, uh, were around when the mind was operating. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I don't think he was hired as man who sees a ghost and deals with an earthquake. Uh, <laughs> Number well, two. Uh, I mean, maybe it was uh, 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 Carrie Coon's uh, husband shows up in, in something, but. Uh, He's a bit much of a guy to hire in just as a, to react to a ghost in an earthquake. I, I, like I said, I'm not saying that's not what he's there for. I'm not saying he's not even not, maybe not a nice character, but there's, well, let's put it this way. He didn't look friendly in the shot we saw of him at the hardware store with the shovel. That's (laughs) kind of what I'm wondering too, because, and, and, and so I don't want to derail us because we're getting to the point where the trailer really picks up steam and this is all derailing, but keep going. I love it. Yeah. It would be where the Ray Parker Jr. theme song would kick in. We'd be like, Oh my God, this is happening. Um, small aside. I love you all for cutting it in and all that. That song is completely inappropriate for this trailer. And it, for those of you who said, ah, why didn't they put it in there? <sighs> because it is the perfect song for a 1984 movie about four wacky guys starting up a ghost hunting business. It is completely terrible for a single mother of two having to retreat to the family yeah. farm. <laughs> because she's Although broke. I, I do so. get the instinct when he turns the key on that 59 caddy, you want to hear. You, oh, you absolutely you want, want to. to. And you know that, what? But there's still one more trailer to come at least, and I think yeah. there's room for it. But yeah, this totally. was not the place to put it. So uh, so how do you feel about, before we get into that that sort of concluding moment of the trailer, um, f- flashbacks? Do you um, feel like Carrie Coon's husband could be part of a flashback too? No. No. I wondered about that except that the the products he's selling and the sticker label on the shovel uh, all say modern okay. era. When Got you it. sold shovels in say the 80s or whatever, it didn't have a sticker on it. They just sold you a shovel. Yeah, there's <laughs> no UPC label. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, same with the stuff hanging okay. on the racks next to him. Um, by the way, before we keep on there, that one shot of her walking to what you see the Shandor mining sign that butte off to the right, that's not real. And if you look, because you can't really quite see it behind the road close to head and all that, you see the, the yellow girders. That's the real bridge. There's actually a dirt road uh. and a bridge over the Red Deer River. Um, and they what they put up was the gate, the Minor Shandy Company gate. It was, it was a brilliant use of a bridge. They built <laughs> a mine out of a bridge. It's amazing. Uh, somebody pointed out, and another one of those things that I didn't quite, because I'm, I'm, uh, oblivious, I guess is probably the best word, but, uh, <laughs> uh, somebody pointed out in that shot that was in the Anthony Bresnikan article and is also in the trailer of Logan, Kim and, uh, Phoebe walking into the mine. It looks like something has exploded out of the mine. Like the, the yeah. gates, the gates are very clearly bent 
as if something has uh, the the recreational vehicle that was uh, being developed there for the U.S. <laughs> Army um, <laughs> burst out of those gates. Uh, yeah. And and the best part is that neither one of them care. They're on their bikes. It's like it is it is an Amblin movie. They're they're riding their bikes to this place that says no trespassing. Yes. Do not cross this line and they do it. Uh, uh small note on Logan's character, by the way. This is the shot that uh um uh, not everybody has seen the European slash New Zealand trailer, which uh, uh, I think it's has the international the completely trailer. Yeah, it's completely international. The US and Canada. that one yeah. reveals that he's a bit of a, a gadget freak. This what we have is this one shot here, where he's got his uh, shoulder bag, his headphones, his electric bike. Like it's just he's obviously the the he's not a big science kid necessarily so much like her it's a it's a nice balance it's like it's almost like they made a mini egon and she's found her um mini ray oh to that point i can't 100 percent confirm it but in that international trailer shot his t-shirt looks a heck of a lot like a black t-shirt covered with uh crop circles <laughs> no really it, uh i oh, cannot find matching crop circles yet but it looks a heck of a lot like somebody's wearing a t-shirt so it feels very much like he's a, a the mini ray which i, I mean, really I, kind of appreciate I, 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 so this feels like an opportune that's a good segue to talk about the international trailer has a few shots that are different from the domestic trailer um yeah including another finn wolfhard joke at the very beginning when they first get to the farmhouse uh but the one at the end uh, since we're talking about Logan Kim's character being a gadget freak, he's holding a shotgun microphone in a in a uh, with, like a with hand a holster. Held... Yeah, yeah. So and but and at the same time, of course, I mean, I'm talking about the shotgun microphone, but he's he's wearing these ecto goggles that have a Polaroid uh, camera in them, and he pulls yes. the photo out and flips the photo. That's the one where I'm like, if Fujifilm has any sense. They are currently in the wake of that trailer, manufacturing yes. ecto goggle replicas with one of their what Instamaxes built into one of the lenses. I mean, and if, and when the Fuji movie comes out, partner, yes, please. sell us the twenty dollar packs of of ten shots with the Ghostbuster branded frames around them. I I don't I don't know if you've seen them, but you get those 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 cameras. Uh, you can then buy packs of of the you know, instant Polaroid film to put into them. Uh, and, but you can print whatever they print, whatever they want on the frame around it. So like for here a couple of years ago with the, uh, one fifty, Yes. The Canadian Confederation 150 years ago, whatever you could buy packs of those film with maple leaves and O Canada on and all that. Like really they need to sell that thing and then sell us ghost, but like slime on the frame I, I or mean, whatever. Yeah. For, for stranger things, they did the upside down, uh, Polaroid camera. Yeah. Um, yeah. I want to, I don't want to be giving away any secrets. So full credit to, to David of the uh, Ghostbusters British Columbia, who's, uh, one of the big prop guys there. He was, uh, doing a lot of staring at those goggles and noticed if you look between the lenses, there's a, a, a strange little um, two aperture sensory thing there. <laughs> and he went looking. It looks a hell of a lot like there's a, a it's a retro style. What the heck is it called? Kodak land camera or something like that. Uh, it is it, another Polaroid camera that uses Polaroid, like uh, the Fujifilm format Polaroid type 
film, but it's got the the accordion uh, zoom thing on it, etc. But it has in the middle for its flash. It has the the similar two aperture things. He thinks they actually uh, ripped one of those apart. To now that said, we did point out <laughs> that everybody's scrambling to make a working one where for the movie, really all they had to do was build in a flash thing. And then a little motor and a slot that would roll. Yeah, it it doesn't have photo. to actually work. Yeah. But yeah. he pointed out that the, he thinks, if nothing else, they the that's where they got the part for the flash was uh, off of that. So at the end of the day, it's a really nice concept that for thirty bucks or forty bucks or whatever, buy ecto goggles that you can't look out one of the lenses, but. Uh, <laughs> If you press a button, it takes a picture of what the other eye is looking at, and then out and, the side. Yeah, and there you go. You got your uh, pol- Polaroid ecto goggles, <sighs> whatever we're gonna. We have to come up with an official name. I'm sure. I'm they, telling somebody you will. right yeah. now, you could make a limited number of them and completely cover your 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 manufacturing costs on the branded film alone. In which case, everybody who buys one of those ecto goggle cameras will invest in a a wholesale case lot of film yeah. <laughs> so they have it for the rest of their lives. Um, anyways, sorry. That's uh, uh, no, no. I mean, uh, okay. So here's, here's the thing. We're almost at the two hour. Mark. <laughs> <laughs> here's, here's what's left. We have uh, Trevor finding the car. We have Phoebe looking into the pits of hell, whatever that's, whatever yeah. that is. Uh, we have Gruberson, quite obviously with a terror dog on his hood. Yep. Uh, and then we have the uh, the gunner seat. So we we have a lot to cover here in, we in have a, a lot. very short amount of time. Okay. Where where do you want to go? What do you want to do? Uh, oh boy, I'm trying to catch up here. Let's start with um, what the hell is that fast moving thing? Oh, that that goes through the, the, school, the buses. school buses. Yeah, there's and, also and that rushes too. over Paul Red's head when he falls to the ground. You can uh, see it, the trap on. I have a sneaking suspicion, by the way. Shortly after the scene where she brings the ghost trap and they leave, you know what? Uh, an actual proper detective would have compared what she's wearing in the one shot to what she was wearing in the classroom. I think it's the same thing. I think they leave school that day and something comes after them and he uses the trap. Interesting. I mean, because so she's wearing the overalls and she's wearing the overalls in the blue of the uh, yeah, it's the same outfit she's wearing when she's looking at the uh, the the Hmm. video on the the laptop. So yeah, that's my guess is that um for whatever reason, there's a, is she wearing it there? No, that's a different one. Yeah. But maybe there's another earthquake. And the earthquakes are related to stuff escaping maybe. And anyways, I, it's obvious that whatever is rushing through there is probably not the thing they're after later. Like it's a big, dark mass that is giving off like, you know, white fog that, is apparently destructive enough that when it moves fast, it's shattering windows. Shatters windows, and yeah, yeah. Uh, So yeah, that's kind of the, like, there's the, the, the tension is rising. We're getting a a sense of the threat here. uh, Now that they know that they're related to the Ghostbusters in some way, shape or form, um, that's when the real threat kicks in. Um, 
I, when I looked at that shot of Phoebe, she's in the overalls and she's looking down at the, it looks like fire and there's smoke. And it, to me, it looked yeah. like there were hands and arms and sort of like a, yeah it, it reminded me of like a, a, it was hell. It was like a purgatory with all of these souls and stuff. But uh, a few people have pointed out like, is that a portal of some sort? Is it like Maybe. a, um, you know, a portal to another dimension or even hell is a real great place to lose a father and son ghostbusting <laughs> team for 30 years. <laughs> that's, also, that's also true. Well, 20-ish, yeah. whatever. 10-ish, um, say. Uh, so there's, there's <laughs> that. Uh, I mean, uh, the Gruberson terror dog, you obviously you hear the snarl. I think in Anthony Bresnikin's yeah. article, he says that's a terror dog. So I, I think everybody's on the same page. Like, that's... Yeah, a couple of people like the idea that Vigo makes a growling noise at the end of Ghostbusters 2. This is oh, not Vigo. interesting. Uh, he doesn't have that. It's it's the muscular, like, three-clawed... Clawed foot. It is a terror dog yeah, has that, jumped that's up a on. That's dog. Um, and then, of course, all right, so then we get to, to Trevor turning on the Ectomobile, uh, joyriding through the field, which is the teaser poster that we, we've kind of touched on at the very, very, very beginning of this podcast. We get our, our, our fourth Ecto headlights license plate garage door opening shot. Well, I mean, and this one is like, Laszlo Kovacs would be proud because you, it's the same shot, but you see like the weeds and the grass yeah. and all of the stuff that's like grown under the car. Yeah. And it's uh, not even like a sexy, it's like a, it's a, you know, a Home Depot garage door. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's kind of wonderful. Um, I'm saying it right now though. Sony, you cannot make a new Ghostbusters. Any new Ghostbusters movie has to have this shot there. It never gets old. We never tire of it. <laughs> you might as well do it in every freaking movie because yeah, yeah. we love it. It's, it's totally ubiquitous now with Ghostbusters, like having that, that shot, yeah. that reveal of the Ectomobile, like that, uh, the fact that that's what kicks off, he turns the, the ignition to the car and we see that and then we see him out in the cornfield just yeah. like now tearing this goes it up. Back, this goes back to my earlier point that I think he's the, 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 the gearhead uh, in this film because yeah. no nobody gets into a car looking that old, turns the key and goes, yeah, this will work. Come on. A prayer <laughs> will do it. Like I he's, suspect he's fixed it up. Yeah. He has yeah. put it, he has got it back up and going again. That prayer to turn over is that he's put a lot of work into it and now he hopes it finally turns over and uh, Lord love it. Uh, man driving around that field, like just, I, I don't even, I don't even know if that's real. I suspect that's a, that's a computer shot a little bit. I, I don't know. I think that, uh, and maybe it it's, looks it's, really good it's though. digitally enhanced, but that looks pretty good. I don't know that that's maybe I don't know, but it's it's sweet. And like I said, that is yeah. They realize that there's actually something really special about the placement of Ghostbusters in a new environment. Because if the first movie was the Ecto driving over the driving over the 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 bridge into Manhattan and screaming around the streets in downtown Manhattan. This one is, you know, him, uh, you know, pulling donuts in a, in a wheat field and then them screaming around one story main street, small town USA chasing a ghost. It's, it really says ghost busting can happen anywhere. Yeah, I mean, We're it, not in New York, but it's still cool. 
check this out. And 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 the car, I I don't know how you get a car of that weight and that size to do what they're doing. <laughs> and that's why I'm like, I think that looks real, but I also don't believe that that poor uh, Miller Meteor can actually do that. <laughs> but. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and, and, and it just gets to like, when you see that car, that's, that's to me where the kid in me starts saying like, Oh my God, this is, this is happening. Like there, the Ectomobile is, yep. this is me out in my backyard with my Ecto, uh, recreating things, trying to put together new scenarios like this. I get what Jason is going for here. And and to that point, the next shot is the gunner seat like that. Yes. Immediately you go from that exhilaration of here's the car uh, running at full speed, uh, <laughs> drifting in, in turns. Yeah. With the when, gunner seat. Whenever they do another fan fest, they need the car and we'll all take turns. <laughs> the gunner seat exploding out of the side of the vehicle. <laughs> we would pay money for that, to be honest. So uh, where to start with this? So the first place I think of is Jason Reitman's tweet that said, you all thought we forgot the ladder, huh? Uh, (laughs) Where now it makes sense. The suicide door blows off of the the passenger side of the car and uh, there would not be a ladder there, quite obviously, because it would get in the way. Um, This is awesome. Like the, the whole fact that this is kind of a real Ghostbusters moment but not I don't I, uh, I'm finding my words here because I know for a fact that that Paul Feig and Katie Dippold loved real Ghostbusters. They loved the Saturday morning cartoon iteration of Ghostbusters mm-hmm. and they tried to factor that in to answer the call as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this from the visual, from the feeling that it gives you, like this feels like real Ghostbusters to me. It looks like the the cover art to the Kenner uh, Ecto-1 where there's a gunner chair on the top of the car and you're like, what? Where did that come from? I don't care. I need that. I need right. to have that. I got to put Peter in that seat. Um, th- That was the feeling that I got from this. Um. I, how did you feel? I mean, the, the bummer about this is we kind of knew this was coming, but... Uh... Yeah, a, a little bit. My my reaction to it was, <clears throat> given that this whole thing takes place in a very wide open rural area, it was very unlikely you could do a lot of this second chapter exciting run around after ghosts. Hey, look, ghosts are real and look at the cool stuff we've got. You couldn't do it with them running around, you know, the main street. The car is a natural way to do it, right? Like to be screaming through the small town. If you're going to do that, what are they going to do? Lean out the window? Like, so if they're going to have to drive and fight at the same time, you might as well just come up with a, a real good stunt slash gag slash, uh, you know, uh, effect or for lack of a better term. And in the end, somebody went, you know, what about a gunner seat? Somebody else I think was pointing out, there was some suggestion of this in some of the very early, uh, concept designs for the Ecto, particularly the one where it looks like it's like kind of a Frankenstein monster of a New York cab and a, an ambulance. uh, there was the one that sort of had the, the the true gunner seat, sort of like the Al Capone, uh, you know, in the very back, um, yeah. 
that was in, was that Ghostbusters 2? Was that in some of the art that they put together for that? I can't recall. But Yeah, well, time to dig out the uh, the ultimate visual guide again, because I'm pretty sure it's in there. But uh, yeah, I think I think what it comes down to is is a lot of people go, oh, it's a nod to real Ghostbusters. And I guess it's, I think it's easy enough for them to just take credit. Yeah, yeah sure. I, but I think some of it is just simply how to, functionally do a thing in this in the middle of the movie yeah. when you can't send them to a fancy hotel where they run around hallways you know what i mean like cuz that's the other hallmark of a ghostbusters film oh. you don't do a lot of ghostbusting and the ones you do have to be cool and spectacular so if you don't have you know uh you know a museum or a you know a subway tunnel full of slime or you know a hotel yeah, because yeah. in the other movies, all the ghost fighting set pieces were done at locations. The car was just the cool thing that screamed up oh. to the door and they hopped out. You you blew my mind again. Uh, so you think this all happens – you think this is like their first – Yeah. Th- this is he, the Cedric Hotel th- scene. This is – he got the car working. Like I'm pretty sure if you go back, if you watch him turn the key, he's got on like a, a – a, like a long sleeved button up shirt. He's wearing it in the shot where, um, um, uh, what's his name goes, it's got a gunner seat. You can see, uh, Trevor looking back from the driver's seat, wearing the same button up jacket or shirt or whatever it is. It seems to me like this is, uh, so he, he starts the car. car This is a continuation of this She knows about, she's figured out the equipment and they've out, uh, away they go sort of thing. Hmm. Um, you want to talk proton beams for just a quick second? Yeah, but please. That I'm I'm glad we can get to that because this is the first thing. This goes back to where we asked everybody to put a pin into the the half assembled proton packs. If you look at it, what was the first thing you noticed about the proton beam? I I mean I noticed that it looked hand drawn. To be completely honest, like it, sure. it looked like the old Terry Wendell sort of like. Uh, lines don't all connect and it has that orange and yellow and blue right. like the emperor's lightning what's different hmm. I don't know what if you go back and look at either of the two movies there's subtle differences between one and two it is a defined uh uh you know, kind of hot yellow, white in the middle to a red on the outside, the quote unquote rubber hose right, in the right. center surrounded by thin, nicely defined little lightning bolts crackling around it. This one, both the center and the outside bits are wild and, and janky and jagged. And it, it really looks like somebody got a proton pack working that is not tuned. Uh, this is like the Kylo Ren uh, uh, proton pack. It looks like somebody maybe got something working in, but doesn't know how to dial it Interesting. in Interesting. I attributed that sort of unevenness to them because when when a proton pack like when you do a CG non hand animated proton yeah. pack it it has a very sort of like clean everything feels complete everything feels even everything feels symmetrical I I thought this was them trying to just kind of go for that uh, 
a little rough around the edges. Uh, but that's interesting that the same pack thing. is it's like the prototype. Same, yeah. It's it's in not necessarily a prototype, but rather hasn't been used in a while. Maybe some wires oh, fell out. Do you know what man. I mean? Um, uh, and or if maybe you want, the kids got it working and they've had. Well, that's no exactly idea. what I mean. Yeah. I, she. She, and maybe with the help of her buddy, who seems to be a little bit of a gadgety guy, gets it up and running again. Or alternately, they got the car rolling around and she go, sits in the seat and it pops out and she's holding onto the, they just fire it up, but it hasn't been used in 15 years. Sure, yeah. Something, or maybe it's power cell is running out and the reason it's doing this is because it's not running at full power. Who knows? But if you watch the end of the international trailer, it lo- it's the same same thing. It's, it's that not, same sort of rough around the, the edges beam. The rubber hose is not there. The lightning bolts are not there. Both of them are kind of wild and, you know, uh, not tuned for lack of a better huh. phrase on it. Man, um, I've got to watch the international trailer again. Cause I, I didn't really yeah. notice the beam cause I was too focused on like, Oh, well, that's cool. Phoebe's wearing a pack and he's got the, the goggles on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the other quick thing I want to point is I know some people have been complaining about the purpleness in the proton stream. The purple. Uh, if you watch the international trailer, the, like, it's very apparent purple? in that shot that it's, it's, if <laughs> I'm not saying four of us sat around a table looking at our phones, calling up <laughs> old videos from the first movie to compare it to the new one, but yes, we did a lot of looking at it going, there is more of a blue to light blue in the lightning bolts, whereas this is more leaning towards a purple. But the thing I want to point out, the first thing that occurred to me when I noticed that color thing was, What's the one thing we've never seen proton packs do? Explode? No, it's not a trick. It's not a trick question. What's the one thing that's never been done with a proton pack in any of the movies thus far? Move? Uh, They've never been fired outside in the daytime. They're all inside where it, there's You're no right. sunlight. There's no sunlight. There's uh, no sunlight. So, for example, if you look at the shot coming around the corner, sure, it looks great up against the red brick of the building, but there's that, you know, the, oh, the, the, the white-blue sky in the background, and you still need to be able to see the proton stream. So uh, later on in the international trailer, that bit at the end where she test fires it again, it's bright, sunny day. And again, it kind of, some of it looks pretty great up against the tree line in the background, but up half the screen is this white, you know, blue, white sky sort of thing. And in no movie previously did they shoot it in, in, in like open daytime. Um, you're, so you're th- right. Like, if you uh, keep it, if you keep it at the light blue, that disappears under these conditions really easy. If, if you watched, uh, we watched, um, the first one when Egon fires into the, uh, the, the bar or whatever, and the pyrotechnics go off. The pyrotechnics are hot white. The proton beam entirely disappears in it. Like you just cannot see it hand drawn or not. It's got to have a little darkness to it in order to be, yeah. So if you put a little bit of a dark purple and all that, it helps it pop under these conditions a bit better. That's, that's my thinking. I mean, that, that, that's actually a bigger conversation too, because it's a ghost out in the daylight. If they're, if they're chasing after a ghost, uh, that's rarely something we have <laughs> seen. Uh, yeah. it's always nighttime or in the, the dark and the shadows or inside and, or yeah, it's, uh, there's huh. some interesting first. And again, it's a reflection of 
they're in the middle of nowhere, small town, right? Like, yeah, technically in a city, even when it's daytime and all that, you're, you know, you can fight outside in a shaded, you know, uh, buildings are blocking the sunlight, shaded canyon of, of buildings. And it's, uh, yeah. And then if you get to the next shot, that's where you notice it most. Cause that shot of the Empress uh, theater, uh, which is real, by the way, uh, everything on that thing is, is, is actually, um, it's part of Fort McLeod. I can't remember. I was looking that. Yeah. That's in the Alberta, uh, it's the, in that CBC article. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's actually, that's what the small town looks like there. You really notice the purple. And not only that is just before, just past Johnny's, whatever that cafe is with that great, uh, Johnny's rocket, uh, sign. And then oh, yeah, the, like, something, uh, the car hop, like fifties yeah. diner. Thing. So there's yeah. that one yeah. and then a building. And then next to it is the something, uh, realty company. And then the Empress, that building in between the Johnny's and the realty company. If you look up, look how defined and purple the, the, the lightning around the stream is. And again, because it's up against mm. this white sandstone yeah, oh, building. Framing right? through like, it. Yeah, it totally makes sense. You can't put, a, you can, you can put like a light blue lightning bolt around it. It's just, you don't see it as well. It doesn't impress as much as Jeez. if you shift it a little bit the other way. And again, if we're dealing with the fact that these are old packs that aren't tuned, there. There's the science expl. There's the fake science explanation for why it's more purple. So they haven't had their tune up in uh, thirty years. Yeah. yeah. So, anyways. Uh, so, all right. I, I, and, and there's I that. To- there's that. Uh, what do they call him? Something bear. The Tardigards. Ter- there's that ghost with the multiple limbs. With the yeah, that's what they're chasing after. Yeah, that's that's my Water my bear? supposition there remember. too. The you know. But yeah, uh, next next shot is just past the Empress, and they're blowing up. You know, uh, 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 paper, uh, uh, whatever you call them. We do things exist anymore. The anyways, yeah, he's flying along full daylight. That's also yeah, where you the, get a kind of a shot of his face. Apparently, when you die you turn into a fat blobby thing. So now I'm terrified of dying. Don't, yeah. I mean, that's that's the, uh, look, if you're Eric Burnham and you're trying to do, to describe what happens to the dead and you turn into this, uh, uh, I, I, that's, the, that's the logic of Ghostbusters that you just kind of have to throw out the window. But, uh, and, and to me, all the people, you know, when people say like, well, kids can't hold proton packs, I'm like, again, it's, it's a, it's a nuclear accelerator that is the Hadron Collider in a backpack form <laughs> yeah. and this uh, uh, d- toothed uh, gelatinous ghost is flying away. And, and that's your beef is that a kid couldn't hold that anyway. Um, but, uh, well, okay, so we have to kind of bring things to a close, unfortunately. We, we're, we're running way along. And we got to post this still. This well, is going out on Thursday morning. The good news is we're at the last shot. And it's my second complaint. Uh, of this movie. Screeching to a halt that shot. That's the last shot. Unless you're uh, the international trailer. Uh, well, yeah. Without uh, Again, we talked about the international trailer. but what, So what's your complaint about the, the screeching to a halt? Those tires can't hold up for that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Those old tires. Right, I'll, really? I'll, right I'll, after I was just talking about a kid not being able to hold a proton pack, that's going to be it's your fine. beef. And actually, it's a great sound. That that juddering, I love that sound. Um, what I, I And I completely forgive it because what I love about this shot is this is Spinner's uh, 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 car hop. As you can see up there, uh, burgers and shakes. This is the outside 
of the diner that we saw at the beginning of the trailer when the earthquake starts. Oh, you see and that at the top of the trailer. You oh see it at the God. top of the trailer. On, you can see back. you can see those cross beams that are holding up. Like it's obviously used to be a, a drive-in oh, uh, yeah. thing. And um, I'm telling you right now, those those drive-in overhangs added by production. They do not exist in the building. It is a a little cafe slash. Uh, uh, it's got a couple of gas pumps out front. And they, you know, put on some of those red, white, and blue banners, put up the spinner sign, put that car hop, those, those overleafs over top of it, park some cars to hide the gas pumps. And it is That's... brilliant. But here's the best part. That thing is m- miles away from where the previous shot was. They, they uh... lit a fire behind that Jeep to suggest the last thing they blew up in the previous shot. But that is in Bicycle, Alberta. That and that is that town. If you thought the other ones were small town Alberta, this is like I don't know four square blocks and a grocery <laughs> store. Like it is ridiculously small, and they somehow turned it into this old fifties diner oh, car interesting. hop thing. And it is ah uh, man, now, round is- of applause to production because that was. Brilliant. Now, is that is that the kind of thing that you can sort of disregard when you're watching the movie, or does that do you bump on that? Because like when I watch Captain Marvel and she jumps off of the train at Douglas Street, which is right down the street from me <laughs> in El Segundo, and then all of a sudden they turn the corner and they're in downtown Los Angeles, and I go, "Wait, what? No, that doesn't make any sense." I am very good at suspension of disbelief. So the fact that all they're doing is going from small town to small town to small town, particularly since they're not small towns I lived in or spent any real time in, I can completely get lost in their okay, whole well, logic of jumping. To- all right. I have trouble with the things like. Jackie Chan is fighting in downtown Vancouver and they're calling it uh, the Bronx. (laughs) And then they switch to a golf course outside of town where he's riding a a hovercraft and you see the mountains in the background and they still want you to believe that's in New York outside the Bronx. Yeah, that's totally Manhattan. uh, uh, Those are the the ones I have trouble with. Okay, I'll give you that. Anyways, it's... um, you go read that CBC article because it like the shot of the uh, the water tower. That's what, oh boy. By the way, I missed it. Go if people and Troy, you can look it up later because I know you want to wrap this. If you go back to that shot of the water tower, you can see the production trucks. <laughs> no, uh, that'll be gone by the final movie. That's, I know. Yeah, I know. But they're in that shot. You can see the there's a, a parking lot oh, behind like a funny. grocery store that they obviously just leased out, and you can see all the trailers and all that all. All parked in a row. Uh, that that's the kind of thing that yeah, that'll be gone by final movie time. I'm sure. It, I loved I love that we got to see it right now because it is one of those movie magic things that I do. Look at the the white walls are falling off it. Those <laughs> tires cannot possibly <laughs> hold up. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at four seven zero two four two four seven four two. That's four seven zero two G B H Q I C. We also have a Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Friends is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. I just want to get back close again. What the hell are you doing? 
you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Anyways, how do you want to wrap this, sir? I have no idea. I have no I idea either. I don't want to wrap it. I want to keep talking about it. But the good news is uh, we have plenty of podcasting to uh, to come. So yeah. so here's what you and I are going to do, Chris. Uh, you and I, you and I, we're on break right now. Uh, yes. This this two hour record session is an unexpected pleasure uh, because we we thought we were just going to roll with all the stuff that we we put together for the holidays. Mm-hmm. Uh, so th- the good news is you and I can live with this trailer now over uh, Christmas and New Year's. We can come back. We can talk about things and maybe they'll yeah. reveal more. Maybe we'll get more uh, over the holidays, maybe. but I, I yeah. kind of doubt it. But um, so, so what we'll do is we'll open the floor to you all out there. Uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday when it launches, yeah. uh, this is your last call. If you have a voicemail, <laughs> if you have a thought, if you have a, a speculation, if you have anything you want to get into the show that's coming up on Monday, uh, speak now or forever hold your peace because we're going to put those <laughs> together over the weekend. Did we miss something? I, I'm sure we did. Something I mean, we said you think is stupid. Just my uh, God, we could talk about this for another two hours. I'm sure. Um, I did tell you it was going to be two hours, and I, uh, I, know, one, I know our arguments for not doing it for two hours. And I swear to God, I tried not to ramble. No, but no. I mean, and I there was just keep so going. much stuff. It's just, for for the listening audience, like. <laughs> Uh, I, we get eye roll emojis when we put out an hour episode. Uh, what are we going to do when we put out a two hour episode? Um, but uh, so, yeah, so hit the voicemail. Uh, tell us what you think. We have a good what was it, 15, 20, 25. We have a good 20, 25 episode, or I'm sorry, voicemails here to uh, to play on Monday. So Oof. D- join in. We're going to have a really ep- uh, a huge uh, voicemail packed episode. And then uh, we'll we'll talk to you in the new year about whatever uh, we didn't decide we were able to talk about uh, in this episode. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's a it's a weird it's a bonus episode. We rarely do kind of like a Thursday release like this. So, uh, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas, uh, Happy <laughs> New Year. You're going to hear us talking in the episodes to come about the things that were like, oh, I can't wait to see the trailer. That's all out the window. We saw the trailer. Forget all of the pre-recorded stuff, guys. This is this is a whole new shaky territory. <laughs> uh, next Monday, when everybody's uh, voicemail drops, too, I'm, not only will we post that on our social medias, I am going to build a couple of posts that will help guide you to um, on Ghostbusters, uh, Ghostbusters uh, HQ.net. Uh, to help uh, you find and dial in, however, whatever method you want, uh, our previous uh, holiday uh, commentary tracks and all that. Because tis the season to get yes. some time to kill. You're going to watch Scrooged anyways. You might as well watch it along with us totally. two lug nuts talking yeah. in your ear, your um, ear holes. Yeah, please, please do. I mean, that's uh, we have a few surprises for you in terms of uh, ghosts from our past. Uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, it's I, I'm excited. Chris, this is this is ridiculous. This is we're spoiled. I, I mean, if if I can leave you all on one note here uh, before we head into the voicemail episode, it's just 
enjoy this. Like this is something special. Yeah. This is something crazy. This is. Uh, I, there are a circum. There are a, a, a bunch of events and circumstances that have led us to this moment. Um, and just just enjoy it. Like I, I'm yeah. the, all of the the discourse that happened in 2016. I don't even want to engage with it. Like I, I just want apply. to enjoy this film. It doesn't and, apply at all. And yeah. I am thankful that I figure that given the way Ghostbuster movies are are birthed. I would be so much closer to, you know, legal retirement age by the time I got to see more Ghostbusters on the big screen. So <laughs> to be seeing it only three years after the, the last God. offering is... What a, we're spoiled. Yeah. It, it's spoiled. Like I, I, like I said, I, I know younger people might have a little bit more time and energy and, uh, you know, perspective to complain that they're not getting more of what they want. I'm like, this is great. This is fantastic. It's, yeah. So so make sure that you take a moment to just sort of stop and take a deep breath and look around your cell and, and look around and go, this is happening. This is actually happening. Because Dan Aykroyd has told us it's going to be happening. <laughs> Lord knows for the last uh, 20 years. But uh, so, yes. Yeah, so uh, hit the voicemail uh, while you still have a chance. Please, please, please do that if you want to get your uh, voice heard on the Monday episode. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you in the new decade. And for the new, for Ghostbusters Afterlife, I, my God, this is happening. <laughs> we'll see you all on the other side. Who you going to call? Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. That used to be one of my two favorite shows. Anything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh. Next week, though, Careless Pets. Weird.